This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, now in our fifth season, looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town and Coventry Football Clubs. My name is Benjamin Bloom and you are tuned into the flagship show, available each and every week on video and audio. So, for a sometimes irreverent but always informative hour or more of football conversation, make your Monday a blue Monday or a sky blue Monday. Um, Mikey, are you feeling Christmassy? You've got some um, some lights behind you that you've managed to get into the shot. Yeah, I am feeling very, very Christmassy. Sober, so not that Christmassy. Okay. Uh, what, what what does an unsober Christmas Mikey look like then? Uh, worse than this, probably. Okay. That's probably how I'd describe it. Nice. Um, even less coherent. Um, but yeah usually associate Christmas with being a little bit messy, which I believe the Ipswich Town first team are at the moment as we speak Segway. at Winter Wonderland. Segway, um, allegedly. Segway. Uh, no, I've I've seen proof. <laughs> they're at Winter Wonderland. Uh, good for them. They're there, um, but it's um, alleged that they're messy. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Craig, are you yeah, in the spirit no, of no Christmas, comment. good sir? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get I get forced into the spirit of Christmas through other people in the family. Yeah, coming back and finding a, a tree which would, wouldn't look out of place in Trafalgar Square, propped up in my front room. So. I have two. <laughs> We've got one in the kitchen and one in the lounge. Natural, artificial. Um, it's very unnatural, isn't it? Um, no, both both artificial. One is indeed seven foot tall, so only Mikey would be able to put the um. <laughs> To put the Martin the Stewart the glove, the Same. angel, <laughs> on the top. Um, should we go to Sudbury? Because I know, um, Mikey, you're quite um, well up on this local stuff. Um, our favourite type of story, because it involves a couple of people arguing with each other, which is always good fun to talk about on the pod, isn't it? So, um, this is Sudbury boss Mark Morsley, um, really burying um, Ipswich Town and Brian Klug. Um, and I quote, I've been told by Ipswich Town, and I'm not going to name names, that we would be the first stop for loan players. And in three seasons, I've not had one loan player and I've seen them go to Bury, Leiston and Lowestoft. Why are three loan players going to Bury? Why is a football club who get players from our football club 
through our youth setup and use our facility not giving us loan players. I think it tells you the sort of club Ipswich Town are. It's a huge disappointment. He's not sad. He's not angry. He's disappointed, Mikey. Which, disappointed. Which, as we know, is the worst of all three. But we're, we're, we're making fun of this. But um, talk to me about um, these quotes and this relationship and the actual importance of um, the way Ipswich interact with small local clubs. Well, I think, yeah, it is, it is vitally important. And, yeah, perhaps perhaps it is a little bit unfair that Sudbury let Ipswich youth teams use their facilities and there seems to be some sort of working relationship between the two clubs. Uh, and it is important that Ipswich does what it can to promote the local clubs in the area. And Sudbury, I mean, they're, they're quite a big one as well. They've, they've, been, they've been in FA Vars finals at Wembley. But... <laughs> Come on, like if 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 you if you want something is at this Christmas, it's just whinging that you never get it. Is that is that really the the right way to go about it? Because if Sudbury weren't top of the top of the order for where where Ipswich youth players are going to go to before he came out and said this, they're certainly nowhere near it now, are they? It just seems a bit childish, and if it isn't a particularly good look for Ipswich, it's a really bad look for Mark Morsey. And I'm not going to say AFC Sudbury because. He's, he's probably come out and said it. I'm not sure he's speaking on behalf of, of that football club. Um, Craig, do you agree with these types of um, arrangement? You know, you see like every Man City player go to Girona and vice versa and um, Chelsea and uh, a Dutch team whose name I can't remember. Um, do you agree with this type of arrangement? Do you think it's useful or should it be on a player by player basis? I think it's, it's, I think it's been proven to be useful, hasn't it? You, Obviously, we're at a slightly smaller level than sending our guys abroad to play in European leagues. But as we saw from Wolfenden going to Swindon, um, it just does these guys a world of good to play uh, football that means something to somebody. You know, they, they can drift along in these under-23 matches. And as we've seen, they bear little resemblance to professional football other than you know, getting someone 45 minutes of running around a pitch. There's no intensity to any of these matches. And even if you're playing non-league, uh, these guys go and play non-league, but the, the men that they're playing against are there to you know, prove a point, show who they are, you know, let this upstart from Ipswich Town, try and play me off the park sort of thing. It does, it does harden them up and it showed. Lancaster played, didn't he? He went to Bury. Um, who else went there with him? But you know, if they come back and it may not be the level that you'd want them to play at, but it comes back and it hardens them up and it gets them used to playing competitive football. Interesting. And I think I possibly agree with Mikey that they might have just gone to the back of the queue for whoever the yeah. next I don't, good, I, good player I don't is. They'll be sending a, sending a minibus full of youth team players uh, up, the A12, up the A14 anytime soon, I don't think, will we? No. Um, and, someone... a, and just another, another thing on that, Ben. A, a lot of the local football clubs really did well out of Ipswich doing, doing badly a couple of seasons ago. So it probably doesn't, uh, he probably thinks it's good PR for AFC Sudbury to be slagging off Ipswich Town as a club. Because if, if they've got supporters that might go and watch Ipswich or might go and watch AFC Sudbury, is probably t- trying to influence these people. But as I said, it's just not a good look, is it? Mm, yeah, and you, 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 it, yeah, it does seem that they're, um, yeah, well, I'll keep my powder dry on that. But it would it would be more sensible for them to have the um, have the relationship and... Um, a wise man once said, if the tide rises, all the ships go with it. Yes. Um, right. 
I was going to do a really good segue about the A14 and say that um, Coventry, would you come from Coventry down the A14? Yeah, I guess you would, wouldn't you? Um, came again for the third in the trilogy, the epic trilogy that's really captured the hearts and minds of football and entertainment fans across the world, the Ipswich Coventry December 2019 trilogy. So um, following on from the 1-1 draw in the Cup on December 1st, this obviously been the replay in between that we had a 1-1 draw in the league also um so here come Coventry was it on Tuesday or Wednesday it was on Tuesday wasn't it yeah it was one or the other yeah it was Tuesday yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, got thrown, we got thrown because we did we did play a midweek game on Wednesday didn't we the week before so that's what thrown everyone slightly but no it was Tuesday this week we've played um Coventry on every day of the week this season anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Craig, you went down in the pouring rain to watch this. Um, just before we get into the minutiae, um, just on a purely emotional level, um, was this a chore to to get down get down to this one? Um, no, it wasn't a chore. No, no, no. First team, first team game. You know, I went to the, I've been to the EFL matches as well. They were more of a chore than the than the FA Cup. Um, and to be fair, going into the match, we were hopeful that we'd come out with a victory and end up going down uh, down the West Country for the next round. So no, it wasn't it wasn't a chore. Um, there was a half decent smattering of people. Obviously, the it doesn't help that the the stands are shut for obvious reasons. You know, no problems with shutting the stands, but doesn't add to the atmosphere. And I think the it was a flat atmosphere added to our very, very flat 4-4-2. A very, very flat 4-4-2. Let's have a look at this, Mikey. So um, here is the team. It's, it is rather hard for us to keep up with all of the teams, all of the permutations, the formations that have been um, used this season. It used to be um, under dear old Mick that you'd change maybe once and then you'd go for three months and then um, you'd change again but yeah um so mm-hmm. here comes the 4-4-2 the 4-4 effing two as david diamond would have you believe um holly in goal kenlock wolfenden and siala barry cotter gets a go um across the midfield um skews hughes edwards judge jackson and norwood up front um mikey this is getting confusing now because um joe very um, kind of pertinently said, well, there's a league team and a cup team. This is not a cup team, though, because James Norwood's in it and Caden Jackson's in it, Luke Wolfenden's in it, Alan Judge is in it, mm. and Cole Skews is in it. Um, where, where are we with this now? What is the... And um, you, you can both elaborate this in relation to the Bristol Rovers game, but this feels like... Uh, and Joe was right about that, by the way, but this feels like neither nor, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think we've got to the stage now where... Lambert doesn't know which team is which and apart from can you go through that back four again because yeah, it was Kenlock who's the centre back uh, Wolfenden and Nsiala okay yeah so it's it's just confusing isn't it because it's sort of half half the players you'd expect to play if we were putting our best team out whatever that is and then half of the ones that are trying to get in and trying to get a run of games but just aren't it but this is me sort of being the expert after the event because when when the lineup came out, although I'm not a, a massive massive fan of four four two, I was actually quite pleased to see it's a bit of a blend between the the youngsters, the EFL team, 
and the first team. And I didn't think that that was the worst possible move for an FA Cup game that we did actually want to win. A lot of us wanted to win anyway. Craig, your thoughts on that team? Do you agree with Mikey that it kind of, oh, well, okay, judges there and the main front two, um, you know, through August and September are there. We're at home. It's a replay. They've had to travel. Um, he, he, he's done that to win the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it was the same in, in the home, sorry, in the away fixture. Um, as myself and Rich talked about last week, the two t- teams that played, the two Ipswich teams that played the Coventry away fixtures were the same teams, apart from a row for Edwards swap over for the league match. So we did put out a strong team in the away fixture because you know, we subsequently played the same team in the away league fixture. And we put out a strong team in the Tuesday night fixture because you, you look at the bench as well. The bench had Wilson, Nolan, Downs, Dazelle. You know, it wasn't a, you know, a, a senior first team with some kids on the bench to sort of bring on. It was a half a half decent team, which, well, a half decent team which looked like it hadn't played together before, which it hadn't, and subsequently panned out. How about that? Yeah. Um, well, let's let's come to you. We won't go nuclear on this because we want to get onto Bristol Rovers, but. Um, you always kind of think in general terms as a football fan, if you're 2-0 down at home at half-time, that's, you know, that's pretty as bad as it gets. You, you, you're never normally down by three at home at half-time. But um, Shipley on 18, um, Biamu on 33. Um, and Coventry, good value from it, from everything I heard from you guys in the WhatsApp group. Um, how did that first half play out, Craig? What went wrong? Um, well, as I sort of alluded to before, with the formation, it was just flat. Um, the, the back four, sort of steady enough. Cotter, to be fair, looked okay coming forward, but both the goals came in that channel between himself and uh, the centre half. I think Walford was playing that side. Um, might be one of the reasons why he was hooked at half time, and we went to yet another different formation change for, for the second half. Um, the midfield two, Skews and Hughes, just did not work at all. They both looked way short of intensity, fitness, legs, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully temporarily rather than permanently, certainly in Hughes's case. But they just got the complete run around by Coventry, who, who as you rightly say, played very well first half. Certainly they were, they were pinging it around. You could tell they were in a formation that they were used to. They knew where everyone was going to be at any point in time. They played some nice football were at, at some junks of kind of tearing us to shreds um, as they threw them through the midfield in the main. I think they were playing a three in the middle. And if you want three in the middle, you don't particularly want skews in there playing as a as a two. But Hughes was Hughes was particularly, we'll call it rusty. Hmm. Um, Mikey, a, a League One player is good enough to cope with all of these changes every week. And I mean, when Craig talks about the right channel, you've got Cotter who's barely played five games in his life with Wolfenden who although is very good can do with the help of Chambers or skews in front of him or or what what have you is is it I know we got the win at Lincoln in kind of similar fashion but is it any surprise against the well drilled Coventry team I know they've drawn a load of games but they've only lost three games all season no it, it's really difficult especially when it, it's it's not just personnel it's the systems as well and we don't we don't seem to have, I know we've been talking about this all season, but we don't have a pattern of play. So you can't just drop players into positions and expect it to work. Obviously, you miss out on the cohesion between the players. What's the lovely word that Harry uses to describe Covalent that, bonds. <laughs> Covalent bonds. 
we're going to struggle to have that if we're making changes, but you'd hope that the the experienced players that we're putting out there can sort of glue it all together and make it work. But if you don't have a style of play, it's very, very difficult to do that because it, Cotter, Cotter will go in at right back, but he won't really know, am I supposed to be really high up the pitch? Am I not? Am I allowed to play the long ball into the channel or am I expected to pass it short? And it just all becomes a little bit disjointed and then it becomes slightly easier for the opposition team when they're in possession and that's where the goals come from. Mm. Um, Craig, uh, again, we won't go granular on it. You, you mentioned that Garbutt comes in for Cotter, so that's um, a left fullback for a right fullback. Just explain the um, the shape change, yet another one, because um, that is important going into um, the next game. And just um, reprise this second half. Um, Lambert was kind of... Um, he praised the praised the second half. What was what was your view? Um, explain the shape change and then give me your view on the second half. Yeah, I think he, I think he praised it more in terms of it was better than the first half rather than it being of any great um, shakes. Um, as you can probably expect, I think the, the Garber came on. Uh, we then went three at the back from memory. I think Kenlock just dropped into that back three alongside NCL. Which he's not. Which he's not bad at actually, is he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's he's perfectly adequate. I think it's similar to like maybe not. When Derog Jonas was around, you know, he he played that left side. Almost looked like his best position, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. did. I'm not saying that's Kenlock's, but he can certainly certainly do a job there, and he gives you that balance being left-footed. Um, I say that he then had uh, Garbert in front of him as left wing back. Edwards uh, was right wing back. Um, kept the the two in the middle. Then we sort of had Judge in there floating around, um, but it just it just didn't work. It just it similarly just didn't work. We just were still playing. Yeah. Another formation change. We're now going to three at the back or five at the back, however you want to call it. But we huffed and puffed. Didn't do much. We didn't make any subs, subsequent subs until the 88th, 89th minute. So, you know, whether we'd got to a point where Lambert thought, you know what, this isn't working. I'm not even going to try getting back into it. You know, we made the subs after we bundled home the the goal. Um, but, yeah, nothing much happened in the second half either, really, to be perfectly honest with you. Um- is that is that Mikey that 88th minute substitution? It's um it was Nolan and Keane for Judge and Hughes. Is this harking back to that Sheffield United cup tie with Mick and Chris Wilder basically at about 70 minutes going one nil one nil all right yeah no sir okay fine Mikey yeah I think maybe Lambert was protecting himself a little bit from he would he would have taken a bit of flack off the fans I think if he didn't make any attacking changes after we got back into the game but yeah to me to me it, it seems like he was more than happy to go out of the cup competition rightly or wrongly um, and those substitutions were just a bit of an afterthought weren't they just throw on another attacking player and see what happens but nothing nothing happened at all did it uh, Craig uh, I saw us saw that there was five minutes added on and then the next time I refreshed it yeah. was the end of the game Whistle's and nothing blown. happened that's right. And I say, especially the as I was saying about the first half, that to my eyes, Skews and Hughes both really struggled in the centre there. And we had Downs on the bench. We had Dazelle on the bench. We had Nolan on the bench. And we didn't bring any of those on to you know, freshen it up more than anything else. Add some real legs in Downs. If we were that interested, 60 minutes in, get Downs on, create some havoc, get stuck in. Let's try and drag the team up the pitch and get something done. But I say it didn't happen. Whether we just then started using it more as an exercise to get some minutes into people's legs. Hughes especially, I don't know. He did play the whole 90 minutes, didn't he, I think? No, apart from 88. 88 yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. Can both of you guys, just quickly before we move on, just reflect on the FA Cup this season? Because we've played four games. We've finally got the win um, up at Lincoln. The general sense of um, dismay at the teams that have been selected at the um, not getting the win then at home to Lincoln. Then the um, huge surprise of the last minute winner and judge scoring at Lincoln. And then um, Coventry Way, remind me, that was a very late equaliser, wasn't it? For them, it was, yeah. So that disappointment then. Um, are there any positives from the FA Cup this season, Mikey? Um, obviously, breaking the, um, the nigh on 10 year hoodoo, but um, if he could go back, Lambert, and do the FA Cup again, do you think. He, I'm sure he'd tell you he'd do exactly the same thing, but were, any, any gains from this Cup run? Um, I suppose because of the fact that it went to replays, we had more opportunities to try and get something to work. And I think it shows that in the the Coventry games in the second round, Lambert went for a much stronger team than he did against Lincoln. And I think it is because he was hoping to stumble across something. That didn't happen, but Alan Judge got his goal. Hughes had more minutes. and Maybe we learn a little bit about players or we learnt about the positions that we need to strengthen him rather than anything else, rather than nobody sort of popped up in these cup games and really showed what they're all about. I suppose Will Keane, it was useful to him. Dazelle um, as well, yeah. I I would have liked to Dazelle to have played in the second Coventry game. So it was like a real run of a real run of games for him. Obviously he came in as we all expected he would in Saturday's game, but yeah, perhaps it would have been a good move to get to Zell having a proper Saturday, Tuesday run of games. But yeah, there's not a great deal of positives to take from it. But yeah, small improvement on previous years, I suppose. And anything on that, Craig? Yeah, as I, as I say about Dazelle, Dazelle did play. He played the two Lincoln games, didn't he? He then played the two Coventry games, including the league game and the then had a gap for this Coventry game. So he did get a run of four games in, in a row and then missed out the midweek game and played again first half or so yesterday. Um, I suppose mm. the positive is we, you know, we're not going to lose in the third round this year. <laughs> fair. Absolutely fair. Um, and the uh, fixture gods, I don't know whether you guys think this is good or bad, have taken the Exeter leasing.com game, which was due to be the midweek um, I think it was scheduled for the 8th, and I'm struggling with my dates here, Saturday 4th, Sunday 5th. Wednesday. Uh, sounds eight, like the yeah. Wednesday, and they've moved that to the Saturday. Um, I suppose that makes some sense, Craig, but I'm sure if you polled lots of Ipswich fans, they'd rather have a league game in there and do what you do in, in, in the midweek. But um makes makes sense to, to use that um, empty Saturday, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's, it's still sort of within kids' holiday time isn't it as well Christmassy breaks um whether many people will make the trek down there I don't know but I'm sure there's going to be more people making the trek down there on a Saturday than there would be on a on a Wednesday night um I've had a look into it myself on the train it's you know, it's not ridiculously expensive to get down there on the train and so I'm sure people will be making the day of it just one last day out before they uh, head back to work after Christmas I just say it's just it's not very often that you know the footballing administrators come up with decent logical ideas and this seems like an an absolutely obvious thing to do and it's it's good that they're out the cup and we're out of the cup and we can we can do it it just sounds perfect mikey given that you're at wickham on new year's day and there would have been 
a seven day gap it's going to be a does it kind of weirdly lessen our chances of winning winning the game now because there would have been that empty empty um assuming we'd still lost the commentary and they hadn't moved the yeah. game did you see what i'm saying uh sorry do you mean uh the win the efl cup game? yeah in so in the in the leasing game now it's yeah. closer to the wickham game you assume that it will be a weaker team because all the strong the strongest players will play yeah, I, I on news. Do you see Lambert what I'm saying? Did, Assuming we'd still yeah, lost yeah. Because, lots of ifs and buts. Of course, here. yeah, I, I, I take your point, but uh, Lambert did say after the after the last leasing.com game, when, whenever that was, that Each he brain, would... Yeah. yeah, he did say that he would carry on playing the, the young players um, down at Exeter. I don't know at what stage of the competition he'd changed that, but I think we're going to see a very different team in that in that game as to what we'll see at Wickham and the, the week after. And to be fair to the kids, they you know, they deserve it, don't they? They went away to yeah. Peterborough and, and got a draw and ended up mm. winning the, the penalty shootout. So, you know, they, I think Lambert's getting out of it, that competition, what he wants to get out of it, isn't he, in terms of getting kids some proper time. Yeah. You can just, I'm just foreshadowing. Could be a game for Teddy Bishop as well. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, well, more on him and Sears. Uh, in the Bristol Rovers game. You can just see the peak Ipswich thing to do would be to kind of get within one penalty of Wembley and um, then still not, still not, even even just for the trip, even if you're going to go there and lose, to finally tick off and not be one of the, uh, there's like eight mm. teams or something that have never played since it was um, redeveloped. But there we go. It sounded a bit cynical then, didn't I? Um, and Ipswich Town Twitter was on full cynicism alert as we go to Bristol Rovers at home on Saturday. So here come Bristol Rovers in very good form, it has to be said. And I do think there's a bit of an issue um, sometimes at this level. We, it, I know we knew everything about Derby and Forest and the teams we'd played a million years running, but I think sometimes there's a bit of a sense where people judge it on um, name value and don't actually look and see, oh, hang on, this seems climbing up into the top six and on good form. Obviously, um, we expect to win home games in this division, but um, sometimes the element of surprise um, is a little bit um, befuddling to me because I'm like, well, they're on better form than us at the moment and um, coming to us in a good place. Three straight wins, uh, fifth in the table and went into the game five points behind Ipswich. So here we go. And here comes um, Joe's 4-3-3 that he's been advocating for a while. So um, Holly retains his place in goal. I'm... Um, Stuck with the rhyme or reason to um, keep his selections now. Uh, Garbett is at left back. Cole Skews is going to play at right back, which we saw in the pre-season friendly at Notts County for the first time. Although Dave assures me he played there for Bristol City um, before. Um, Wolfenden and Wilson are the um, remainder of that kind of back back line, keeper and back four. Um Craig, excuse it, right back and Holly in goal. Please explain. Oh, my life. Holly in goal, no problem with him being in goal, but as you say, what, what's the rationale? A toss of a coin, who knows? No idea. Not a clue. And what about excuse it, right back, given... I know Vincent Young's clearly the best right back and a very good right back. Cotter had a go, didn't he? Um, yeah. I just wonder whether... Obviously, Denesian was injured, wasn't he? Oh, sorry, injured, ill. Um and I wonder whether the midfield three that ended up playing were always going to be the midfield three, given it was the same midfield three that had played quite well at Coventry and Skews was going to be sub again, 
but then had to fill in. Yeah, I don't think it disrupted the team too much in that respect. Okay. Um, but I, I also wonder whether, because Cotter was uh, taken off at half time on Tuesday, whether he may well have got a game had he not done quite so poorly on Tuesday against Coventry. He could have found himself in the team it being a natural right back. But there were, there were a couple of payments. We could have put Wolfenden there and brought Enciala into the middle. Yeah, whether there wasn't a there wasn't a perfect solution to this. And I I do there. quite like um how he's managed Wolfenden where it's no you're centre half, I'm not I'm not moving you about and you know, you get the Freddie Sears disease of oh, the most useful guy is the one that always ends up kind of having to sacrifice for the team. Um, Mikey, we get the um what seems to be a really nicely balanced um midfield three on paper, in respects, if you've got Downs as your your kind of defensive insurance, you've got Dazelle as your playmaker, and you've got Nolan as your number eight and your glue, and obviously a couple of nice left feet in there. Um, and then a front three, so to speak, of Jackson, Keane and Nord. How did this um, those two blocks of three um, look on the pitch? Did we have a central fulcrum and two guys wide or someone dropping in as a 10 and two guys tight. Explain to me just those um, two areas of the pitch, the midfield three and the front three. Uh, well, the the front three was was slightly more obvious that Keane was the one that was dropping in a little bit deeper most of the time, but Jackson and Norwood weren't, weren't playing too wide and they were quite interchangeable. We saw Jackson get crosses in from the left in the first half and then crosses in from the right in the second half. So I think that they were just fairly interchangeable. Uh, in the middle, I suppose it, it was sort of. It did seem quite flat and quite quite narrow to me in the centre centre of midfield. Um, I feel like Nolan and Dazelle both want to do quite a similar role, and yeah, I, I don't know if Craig, you can you can try and explain that that midfield three because I spent most of the first half trying to work out. I'm still trying to work out if we were playing three at the back or four at the back for a lot of it because Garbutt was playing much higher up the pitch than Skews, but then sometimes Skews was getting caught really high up the pitch as well. Yeah. So it did become obvious towards the end that it was a back four. Um, sorry, sorry, Mike. I think the reason why Garbutt was getting further up the pitch is because he had to get further up the pitch because yeah. there was there was no width, was there, in that, in that central midfield three. And it's the same issue we had in the Coventry League game away in the second half. We took off both of our wingers and all of a sudden you've got downs Dazelle and Nolan, not only having to do the central midfield three um, job, which they'd done perfectly well in the first half of country, they were now having to filter wide and sort of cover wing backs and cover wide midfielders for the other team. Um, and it sort of just, di- to my mind, that dilutes Flynn Downs as a central midfielder. You, you want him right in the midst, right in the middle of everything that's going on. If he's, you know, looking over his shoulder at having to cover for Garbutt because someone's bombing down the wing towards him um, rather than getting his job done in the middle. I just, I thought it was just too far too narrow, certainly for um, the first half an hour of the match, just in total, as you say, um, Jackson and Norwood weren't playing particularly wide. Um, Keane was the guy that was, as you say, again, dropping a little bit deeper and letting those two narrow up a bit, but we just had no width and it was reliant on Garbutt on the left and poor old, Cold skews on the right to mm. plow up and down. Yeah, because it, it wasn't an e- it certainly wasn't an easy game to come in at right back because he didn't have the 
the the hard-working right midfielder in front of him. And then he's also <laughs> expected to get forward and essentially be the, the right wing back as well. Skew's really struggled with that because he, he likes to, he was sort of drifting into midfield at times and he likes to get on the ball as much as possible. But then going back towards our own goal, he, he's got the legs, but he doesn't, doesn't really have the turn of pace to get back in quickly. And given um, the, given the level of information that um, people will have on Skews particularly, because he's played a billion games and Garber as well, you would think tactically, as soon as they saw that team sheet, um, the switch of play, and I don't know if it planned out like this, would be really useful either side because on one side, you've presumably got a right back who's not going to want to come forward and generally be too deep. On the other side, you've got one that's going to be trying to make up for the other one and you should be able to should be able to get in behind. So you would assume that um, Bristol Rovers would have had that scouted and uh, Harry always used to talk about balance, but um, two very, very different players at fullback. Um Interesting. Um, right, here's this Rovers team. Um, Yakola in goal, a back three of Menyese, Craig and Kilgour. Um, right wing back is a Paul Hurst classic, Alex Rodman. Um, left wing back, uh, Leahy. Um, midfield three, again, into your point um, about our midfield three. Well, they're up against um, a well-drilled midfield three, uh, Clark, Upson, Circum, uh, Smith and Nichols up front. And... Um, we're going to have more from Nichols, Craig, straight away in the fourth minute because uh, Rovers are going to take the lead. Yeah, and it's, God, it's a appalling goal, isn't it? It's just from just a pretty <laughs> bog standard throw in about, I don't know, 40 yards out um, down our right hand side. So down Skews' side, the throw comes, comes into the box. Wilson loses out on the initial header, um, which drops into more into centrally into the box. And what their what their player does quite well is that he sort of peels off and goes around the back of their player, whereas Wolfenden's, who was supposed to be marking him, is having to go goal side, and the ball bounces in our area, which is you know, another cardinal sin, as we all know. And I don't know who their player was, but he shields it quite nicely. Actually, he sort of keeps our player away from the ball, and it Clark, drops on the yeah yeah he drops on the half volley, doesn't it? Pretty much on the penalty spot, and he just lashes it in. With, with no one near him. Holy Holy didn't stand a chance. It was it was a poor goal. I say the ball we lost the first header, the ball bounces in the area. We get held off, shielded from the from the uh play and uh, I say it was it's middle of the middle of the goal. Um of, sorry, I might have erroneously said uh, Nichols instead of Smith then. Smith was the um Nichols got the assist and Smith put it um anything to add on that one? Um Mikey, bad goal, good finish. Uh yeah, I mean Dizelle was sort of caught ball watching for me a little bit. I mean, it, it it wasn't his man and possibly not his responsibility. But when you're when you see your teammates losing their men, you have to your first instinct has to be to bust a gut to get in. And if you watch it back, he's just sort of watching the ball and slowly trotting back. Um, really poor goal to concede, but a really nice finish. And that's something that we were talking about when we were winning games and winning games one nil every week earlier on in the season. Dave in particular was saying everyone's crap in both boxes in League One. But I think we've started to see recently that <laughs> maybe we were just getting very, very lucky. And and now they're showing that maybe they're not as bad as we thought they were in the in the final third, especially the teams that are high up the table. It was a really, really good finish. Absolutely. Um, we're going to go two down within uh, the 23rd minute here. Nichols is going to add the second. Mikey, take us up 
to um, and including the second goal. Do the second, do the second goal for me. But um, what was the response like from um, Town? Was it? Um, oh, we've been stung. Let's get our foot on the ball. Let's um, let's try and uh, get back into this. And um, or uh, were they a little bit shell shocked? Uh, no, I, d- I don't think they looked shell shocked to be honest. And and I think if anything the the mentality would have been, come on, let's just keep playing like it's nil-nil and let's try and play out the plan from the start. And we were putting, throwing a lot of bodies forward and I thought Bristol Rovers looked pretty shaky at times. And I actually said to the my mate who was sitting next to me that they're not, they're not very good at the back, Bristol Rovers. And I thought it was only going to be a matter of time before we started creating some big chances. But then, yeah, Dazelle was a bit cumbersome in possession and got swept aside um skews then failed to stop the left winger from crossing it although in skews's defense he ends up just switching it over to the right winger and then again in the final third really nice from bristol rovers the the player out on the right have i written it down uh, rodman rodman yeah rodman lifts in a a lovely ball across Great the place there, and then nichols has come in from the back post it doesn't look good on skews again. Perhaps Wolford didn't, could have gone across, but he's just got the run on both of them and headed it in. And there we are, 2-0 down, despite looking really dangerous whenever we went forward. I think you're at sixes and sevens as well sometimes when the ball's gone from one side to the other and then back again and no one's mm. reset. And um, you're talking about the narrowness as well and, uh, you know, kind of vacated sort of gap in the left back area well. There you go. Chicken's coming home to roost there. Um, again, I'll ask you the same question, um, Craig. Um, the response from 2-0 seemed to be a tad better. And um, take us up to the um, the Norwood goal on 37. Yeah, it, it was actually. Uh, just, just quickly going back to that second goal, it did, neither of our fullbacks came out that particularly well. Neither, as Mike was saying, neither fullback sort of stopped their either pass or their cross, really. But... Uh, there we are, um, but yeah, the, the the response from from us it was good, and 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 the crowd started to get behind us, and we you know there was a couple of flashes of the ball across the uh, across the goal. Um, we had a chance; it was put, <clears throat> excuse me, it was pulled back by Jackson, and I think Keane and Nolan sort of converged on it together. But they were Bristol Rose were throwing themselves in front of uh, shots. Their goalkeeper made a save. He was coming out and missing goal, uh, missing the ball, and it was getting looped back, and he was tipping it over. Um, there was a, p- a period in time where <clears throat> we found w- Luke Wolfen found himself down in the left left wing position, um, had a little drag back or a, a back flick. Um, Jackson, I think, had a shot. Garber had a shot. You know, we, we were having plenty of shots, but not necessarily clear cut shots but you know, we were starting to pin them back in their half um and then as you say and as you say then the sort of goal materialized from that from that pressure um down over on the left hand side near the near the dugouts down scooped the ball Probably over use the word scoop there definitely well played oh absolutely yes quite <laughs> scooped over but i think what this goal sort of highlighted was if we play with a bit less caution and a little bit more urgency we can get past teams and through teams and around teams because Downs scooped it over their player Garbert first touch cushioned it Phil volleyed it great yeah, touch, cushioned yeah. volley outside of his left foot yeah down the wing 
Jackson, as Mikey was saying earlier, was on the left wing in this occasion. He hits a first-time cross on the half volley with his wrong foot, which is a beautiful cross. Mm. And Norwood's running in from the back post and you know bundles it in, headers it in um, at the back post. But as I say, it's it's one touch each time. It's it's Downs' touch, it's Garbutt's touch, it's Jackson's touch, it's Norwood's touch. Mikey, lovely goal. <laughs> one of the best. One of the best we've had this season. What is the reason that we're we're not we're not getting that is it um we've spoken about pattern of play so much it's about and your covalent bonds as well it's about people moving together and being close enough and in sync to be able to to do that i guess isn't it and that's all that's all in a drilling mikey yeah and i think maybe there's there's a little bit of them being too scared to give the ball away at home at times um because it was quite high risk football like down scooping it over the player's head that's quite high risk it could have could have hit the player it could have gone off for a throw in and then he would have got the groans and then Garbutt took it took the touch with, with his left foot first time backed himself and Jackson as well Jackson's so good when he doesn't think when yeah. he just does things on instincts he's so much better and yeah I know that's not really what you asked me Ben but um, mm. Norwood did what he's good at as well which is get in the six yard box he's good at finishing in those situations but yeah I think perhaps we we were just too slow with the ball. We didn't move the ball quick enough. Um, even when we passed it around at the back, you need to put some more weight on the ball. The pitch is a little bit slower now. You've got to put a lot more on it when the team isn't really trying to press. Interesting. Um, up we go to half time. Um, two one half time. Um, Craig, how's the start of the second half? Take me up to. Um, there's a sort of spate of substitutions um, about halfway through the first half. Was there a sense of coming out and looking to be able to win the game well that's <clears throat> excuse me that, that's that's what we needed and at, at half time I sent a message out to the whatsapp group saying you know I think I think we're going to win this and now everyone around me was saying pretty much the same that last 10 minutes or so 10-15 minutes of the first half we needed to take that impetus with us into the start of the second half I know it's a cliche that half time came at the wrong time but it kind of did. We were we were on top. The crowd were up for it. Um, we just needed to carry that on into the the start of the second half. Um, and again, Jackson, I think, had another cross this time from the right. Norwood headed it on to the bar. God, if, if and I looked straight down that that goal line um, from my seat in the in the co-op upper. Um, it was there was an offside given, but I don't know if it was Norwood who was offside because. It was a, it was a cross rather than a forward pass. I didn't see how he could have been offside. Um, mm. So, but he, so he missed from a couple of yards out, hit the bar. Um, again, I think Jackson sent another one across, which their keeper pushed round the post, and you know we were rushing in at the back. Um, so yeah, we did. We we had a, a period of five ten minutes in the start of the second half. We had a bit of pressure, but nothing really came of it, and then and then it just started to to fizzle out really. Um, here comes Judge for Dizel on 65. Um, Rovers react. Adebayo comes on for Smith up top. Um, take me up as well, Mikey, to the red card. Um, Clark gets his second yellow on 77. What um, influence did Judge have and how did that change the shape? Um, well, it, it obviously changes the shape because it's impossible to play any sort of flat formation when Alan Judge is in it because he just <laughs> yeah. wants to go everywhere. Yeah, but, tell us what position he was playing in, Mikey. When he all came. of I have absolutely no idea, but <laughs> I, I could see why he came on and, and did what he did because it 
it did feel like a lot of the time Dazelle and Nolan can be are both quite guilty often of drifting in and out of games and not involving themselves and not getting on the ball and not making crisp passes, even though they're both very good at it when they do. I think Judge maybe saw that from the touchline and thought, I'm going to get on and I'm going to demand the ball off the defenders and then I'm going to try and link up with the three strikers that we've got on the pitch. But it was just the usual huffing and puffing and it didn't really come to anything. Some of his longer passing was a little bit off. Um, didn't really make a, a big impact, but as Craig had already sort of alluded to, the game had sort of already started to fizzle out at this stage. Um, and I think, yeah, we were perhaps crying out for a change of formation rather than just a change in personnel at that stage. Interesting. So the red card goes down, Craig, on 77 for Clark. Um, what was the approach, um, 10v's 11? And tell me about this substitution that then... This was, this was it, just that the, got announced, but not so <laughs> not announced, but not completed. Yeah, well, it was it was a funny one, and and the, the red card itself, that, there were people around me who were sort of scratching their heads. Of why is he why is he been sent off? But it was you know to be fair to the referee, and I thought the referee had a half decent game. To be to be fair to him on Saturday, I didn't really notice him too much, which was always a good thing. Yeah, and very um, short. Yes, he was short. He looked quite buff as well. So. <laughs> Um, I think yeah, it was, was fine. It, <laughs> it was it was Clark that got sent off, wasn't it? And he previously got a yellow card just as just for getting involved in something that had literally nothing to do with him. Downs had taken someone out near the touchline, near the dugouts, a um, little bit of pushing, and all of a sudden he comes steaming over and starts you know puffing his chest into people and things. And he's the captain of their team, but so he got a yellow card for that. Fair enough. Um, he then got cleaned out at some point or taken off. Uh, injured. There was, I think it was a period in time where they had two guys down, didn't they? And we were yeah, breaking up yeah. the other end. Um, and he, he was one of those two. So he t- he had a bit of um, treatment on the pitch, went off to the side, ready to be called on. Um, and there was, we were bro- we were having an attack. They were they then started to break on us. And he just decided to walk on the pitch and take a touch and make a pass, <laughs> um, which is I think most people sort of know it's a just a standard yellow card. You can't just start entering the field of play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the referees, yeah, well within his rights to give him a second, which happened to be a second yellow. Um, mm. And then he decided that he'd have an argument with the ref, the lino, the fourth official, everyone else but himself um, to be sent off. So, yeah, it was, it was a, this, one of the strangest second second yellows. I don't think I've ever seen anyone booked for that, um, let alone no. second yellow yeah. sent off for it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, once it was had... the most bonkers two minutes of football ever, wasn't it? Because it, when we tried to make the substitution, but then didn't, didn't Bristol Rovers make one and the referee made their player go off at the Sir Bobby Robson stand end? And yeah. yes, I I've haven't seen, seen that... that happen yet this season. And that was... It, there's, there's it... A, someone's tweeted the, um, the, the guy... Um, Walk, I, yeah, walk, yeah. I won't. I won't was, comment on the, that. It was the point in time where the where the, the North Stand was starting to bathe for blood, and you think, mm. cross the mic, mate. Thanks very much, ref, for making me wander over there. You know, they're yeah. just starting to get the the hump, should we say? Um, and you've got Bristol Rovers player having to walk off right in front of them for forty or so meters. Um, but I don't. In terms of our sub, I didn't know whether because I say it was announced on the on the tannoy that you know, Giorgio's coming on, etc. And then he was he was. He'd taken his tracksuit top off. He's ready to come on. Then his tracksuit top went back on. I just didn't know whether 
the ball hadn't gone out of play or whether we decided, oh, hang on a second, they've had someone sent off. We now don't want to make that substitution. But you know, Rob Chandler sort of jumped the gun a little bit in terms of calling it. Hmm. Interesting. It um, was a little bit strange, yeah, because it, it, it did seem that it was Bristol Rovers that were making the substitution first. They had the player up um, by the fourth official and Georgia was stripped and ready. And yeah, like you say, it did look like Rob Chandler had jumped the gun a little bit. But if if they were going down to 10 men, even, even more reason to bring Giorgio on, I thought. No, yeah. Nolan's legs, like, well, they, if they weren't gone, he wasn't he wasn't working hard enough. He wasn't influencing the game at this stage. So but I don't know why you'd leave him on and think, oh, maybe it'll open up now. They've only got 10 men. Because if anything, it makes it harder because they're going to congest the midfield yeah. even more. Really um, strange move. And then leaving the substitution so late again. So, yeah, 88, George Ewing comes in for Nolan. Um, was there any sense, Mikey, um, that Equalizer was coming? No. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. What a sad <laughs> state of affairs. Um, so yeah, the game. I'm sorry, Ben, but there no, no, just, no. just wasn't. I, I, you didn't read really notice that they were down to 10 men. I didn't really take I, any notes. So they were, you didn't really. Well, when you're, when you're playing it three at the back. It doesn't make a great deal of when it's attack against defence. And when you're playing three at the back and three in centre midfield, your your default position can be, you know, nine, sorry, excuse me, eight behind the ball with your wing backs tucked back and you can isolate yeah. the two forwards. Okay, so there's one up instead of two now, you know, waiting for the play away. So, um, yeah, no, you're right. And, um, I think one of the good pundits on telly said that about the 10 men thing. Defending-wise, it doesn't make a lot of It's attacking-wise, that's the problem when you've got yeah. 10 men. And they'd yeah. already scored two goals. Um, just interesting subplot on this. The Bristol Post report after this game that Bristol Rovers manager Graham Coughlin is set to take over at Mansfield, who must pay well because they're a division down, um, admitting he had, quote, a decision to make despite beating Ipswich and that the victory moved them fourth in the table. Um, just before we go to questions, Craig, 
quick summings up on a disappointing result. Yeah, a disappointing result. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I was walking out of um, St. Andrews last week, uh, there were some people we've been moaning Bemoaning we hadn't won, but there's alternative that people say, you know, well, if we draw away and win our home games, then we'll be fine. Well, we better start winning some home games then because it's not what we do currently. And it hasn't been, to be fair, it hasn't been what we've been, what we've done for Cruggy two years now. We're, we haven't won many home games at all. You know, we've, we've got stat in our midst who can, who can churn out the figures, but I bet if you go back two years, including the last half of mix, last season in charge we get very very few home wins oh god Barnes, and, uh, we can do this Barnsley um, was mixed last one I think I think we beat Leeds within that year didn't we I think we beat Leeds in the January then Barnsley about three months later then Hurst didn't win any until Swansea yeah. and then Lambert we, would have Wigan, beaten Wigan in yeah. Rotherham and Leeds Le- and Leeds yeah <laughs> how did we beat Leeds yeah. <laughs> incredible yeah. and so, then but this you're year right, Shrewsbury and Trampmere is there only two home wins this it. season? Wimbledon. Wimbledon and Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, yeah. you're, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Half a, half a dozen, seven, eight, mate, eight, eight home wins in two years, two calendar years. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least it was entertaining. It was actually entertaining and frustrating, obviously, because that game was there for the taking. Um, but credit to Bristol Rovers they they came with a game plan it was good to see Ed Upson still playing at a pretty good standard he looked like he was carrying a little bit of extra weight but he was still up and down in the the dying moments of the game um trying to influence it trying to get on the ball um just just one little side note something that worries me about Dazelle when he's playing is when we he he stays back for uh for our corners and when they inevitably get headed away or hoofed clear, he's so bad under the dropping ball, and it it really just puts pressure on us. It's, again, I, I I I just can't see why you'd leave him in that vulnerable position. Um, and another thing that we haven't really mentioned yet was Holy's kicking out of his hands was poor, but the fullbacks weren't offering enough of the ball from his from his hands. Holy always looks to throw it out, but. We weren't we weren't in position to get the ball off him. In the second half, it did improve a little bit, and I think he'd maybe been asked not to kick it out of his hands because you saw him drop the Roll ball and kick it long off the ground, which he's actually much better at. Um, but yeah, disappointing. It's the it's the first one that we've lost against at home against a, a real lower league club because obviously the previous one was Rotherham, who we've played loads of times over the years. But yeah, bit of a Stings a little bit losing at home to Bristol Rovers, but yeah, hopefully, it, it, hopefully but it that. Wasn't, sorry, Mikey, it wasn't an appalling performance, was it? You know, no, the whole it, it wasn't an appalling performance. We had, we did have quite a few shots, but we didn't really. I say, apart from that, like last ten minutes of the first half, we we didn't really exert any pressure for any sustained periods of time. You know, at that point we were, we were knocking on the door. We were having shots. They were flinging themselves in, in the way of shots. Um, but the second half, we sort of huffed and puffed. Nolan had a, had a decent chance where the ball sort of, it got headed back to him. And for some reason he thought he would have, he would try and head the ball in from 10 yards where he could, 
he could have brought it down and had a touch, let alone have to header it. Um, but you know, he yeah, was in Nor- the box. Norwood had quite a, quite a good game. I thought he cut in and pulled, made a, uh, the goalkeeper made a good save from a decent shot as well. We yeah. did. We were fairly dangerous. I thought. Actually, what I must say is just our crossing was appalling, wasn't it? Whether it be dead it ball, whether it be from open play, you know, one thing that was noticeable, and because we had three strikers on the pitch, um, was that we did actually have bodies in the box, quite a few bodies in the box at, at points in time, but the crossing was just atrocious. And whether it be Garbutt's corners, again, you know, he seems to be having one good game, one bad game in that respect. Um, whether it's dear old Cole from open play, they just could not, for the sake of it, miss the first man on these crosses. Well, and, mm. and you make the point about bodies in the box. That bodes well for when you can actually get Vincent Young and Garber on as fullbacks with three forwards. But you bloody hell, you have to have skews and downs sitting with another midfielder there because that would be like the most open Three up front and forwards bombing on and a number eight as well. Yeah. Um, right. Let's go to some of these questions. Um, as always, I'll say answer them quickly, but then we won't answer them quickly. So just answer them as, as you like. Um, Mikey, Sammy says, um, the different formations used by Lambert is not concerning me. It's the actual formations he's using. Um, 4-3-3, rarely 4-2-3-1 or 3-4-3, which are, in his opinion, the best two. Um, anything any anything in that, that it's not actually the tinkering, but he's not actually going to the right formations? Yeah, I, su- I suppose that, that argument is there to be made, but I think it goes back, down, back to Jackson having a fairly good season and Norwood being our number one striker, and now Will Keane being half decent as well and the lack of wide players sort of for me eliminates playing a 3-4-3 a 4-3-2-1 three, three. Um, three, I'm not really sure how you'd play it at the moment um, maybe Keane could be one of those he could be one of the ones in behind the striker but yeah it. I think it is it is his formation choices does come down to the players that are available 100%, and who's yeah. on form Yes. Um, he doesn't seem to have his own formation, though, that you'd call a Paul Lambert formation, does he? Well, we all thought it was um, a kind of Luton formation now, isn't it? With um, a number 10, a front two, and, you know, people rate basically three centre midfielders raising hell, um, mm. you know, in, in the middle behind there. But um, not not yeah. no more. No, I will say yeah. Mikey, makes, Mikey, makes, Mikey makes a very good point there about our wide players um, and that's you know one of the reasons why we can't particularly play four four two very efficiently. And is that our, who are our wide players? Who are our fit wide players? And mm. are they in any sort well, of form, yeah. form at the moment? Unfortunately, our best wide player this season is playing left back mm. because we don't have a decent left back, um, which just doesn't help. Mm, absolutely. Um, you can probably do this one quickly, Craig. James Houston says to try and take a positive. Was Norwood back to his um, usual fit and all-action self? In parts, he was, yes. Um, there were times in the second half, especially where his touch was pretty ropey. Um, and he just, if, if ever a man personificates frustration more than any other, it's James Norwood. He just looks at times so frustrated. And whether it's just you know his own performances or the lack of chances that he's getting to... Know, work with um 
I don't know, but um, yeah, there were there were there were times, and he scored a goal, didn't he? You know, he's he's played and he scored, and he was putting himself about more. He was playing in a slightly alien position to what you know, he was playing slightly wide on the left or slightly wide on the right, whereas I'm sure he'd prefer to play bundling through the middle. Um, but he just seems to have taken a little little bit of time to get back from this this injury, this operation, doesn't need to get back into the full swing of things. So yeah, hopefully fingers crossed he's got a fair few games coming up now over Christmas. So um he'll get plenty of chances to to get that sharpness back. Mikey, um ITFC Mark says Keane's touch and hold up play yesterday was outstanding. Different level. Should be a permanent starter. Um he mentions about Judge you I think you agree with him. Um I, I didn't hear much praise for Keane, but do you agree with Mark's praise for Keane? Yeah, it's interesting because somebody else uh, said that they don't know what Keane does. Um, he, he at times, in, especially in the first half, he did look really good because he he brought the ball down nicely and actually got his head up and he took his time on the ball. And one thing that Keane is quite good at is he's one of those players that when he does get the ball under control, he does seem to manage to get the space around him and in front of him, so he he can pick a nice pass. Uh, I just wish that he was a little bit more direct sometimes. I'd like to see him have a shot from just outside the area. Um, he doesn't seem to bust a gut to get in the box and get, get his feet on crosses. But as he showed uh, in the Coventry away game last week, he, he can head the ball as well, but it's just, he's not good with his back to goal. And I think if he's playing slightly off the front two, you are going to have your back to goal quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I, a useful player, but I'm not sure I'd put him in my best starting eleven at the moment. Um, you would, whatever you would that be, eleven is, I couldn't tell you what it was. Well, quite. You wouldn't be hanging your hat on him scoring 15 goals for you, you know, as a, as a central striker, would you? A season? No. No, it'd be about bringing others in, and you know what else, you know what else he bought. And you know, I do all my championship stuff. And big guy Stockley at Preston, literally, his entire job is to play in the three guys behind him if he if he only scores two goals in a season it's not a it's not an issue but we're not playing a 4-2-3-1 like that so that's a fairly redundant yeah, and then, comment and then Premier League which you're also big on now Ben David McGoldrick <laughs> is is stop it he's doing that for Sheffield United isn't he he's I've been to one Premier League game in probably players. 20 years so yeah not big on that um Craig Mrs <laughs> Nuts asks and we normally used to get this when we were actually winning um does everyone need to calm down and she's I know she's joking but um it's not just Ipswich fans, it's all football fans. Slightly hysterical reaction to the um, poor non-winning run at the moment. Um, I, I don't know. Has I don't know. Has it been particularly hysterical? I, I don't know. People... Twitter's hysterical every day, isn't oh, of it? So. Yeah, 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 of course. But I think I think there's been quite a bit of thought. And I know Mullet's said the same sort of thing. You know, there's a bit of nuance and a bit of concern more than more than panic or uh, mania about it I think and it's well apart from yesterday we hadn't really been losing the matches hey we'd been we'd been drawing the matches um, which I talked to Rich about last week which you think it's hopefully more of a stutter than a anything and, more. I think, and and we should never have lost yesterday either we should never have lost that game but guys I think it's this irritation of not being able to get a run of league games to you couldn't build any form anyway because there's been a cup game and you've been switching the team out every mm. every midweek and then a replay in both um, FA Cup rounds as well. And it's, even if you were 
winning and drawing and two points per game, still wouldn't have been able to put much of a kind of run together over this recent period. Yeah, well, we've got we've got four matches now, haven't we? four league matches in a row in what one, two, two weeks, pretty much. Three of them away as well. So, um, right, let's do one more, um, Mikey. Do, do, do. Who should we pick? Oh, this is horrible, isn't it? Um, Cornish Mariner. Let's go for. Was there um, no question for Mullet this week? I think there was. I haven't got to it yet. Okay. We're, we're... Oh, I, I didn't see one. That's all. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I, 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 right. no, I yeah, I did. No, I did see it. It's, it's, um, it started off. Steve Whitten is one of the best players that I've seen playing. <laughs> Who in the modern day team would be? Yeah, someone. Mohamed Salah. There you go. Um, <laughs> Cornish Mariner says, I noticed the teams promoted last year are struggling in the championship. Whilst um, the likes of Sheffield United and Blackburn got it right. How can we learn from them, even if we manage to get promoted this year? <laughs> Do we have a sustainable plan? It, it, no, we don't because no. we don't we don't seem to have a formation A and a style of football A and then a plan B for both of them. We just don't. But Ben, maybe you could spark us up a little bit on how those promoted teams are getting Not on well, in the championship. Really badly. But, but, but what are they doing? Are they uh, well? Look, Barnsley. Are they, are they chopping and changing or? Uh, Barnsley basically sold all their good players and they basically did what we did at the start of last season, having just got promoted. Okay, there. so we their bottom Charlton have had we a whole won't do that. Charlton have had a whole ton of injuries they've done the best but they had a very very clear philosophy and you can even see the the manager in you know when you can see a manager in the team particularly in the in the midfielders mm. with Lee Bowyer but they are dropping like a stone Luton have done quite well but it's just Harry used to say about small clubs in the championship it's just budget things for Luton and they've got um Izzy Brown on loan um Luton of all of them have just carried on doing exactly what they did the division below but yeah. if you kept up they had a 7-0 at Brentford a couple of weeks ago yeah. so they mm. Luton could stay up by winning say 14 games but believe me yeah. if they do that they'll probably lose well over 20 and have a massive minus goal difference but stay up because you know those games where it worked but it, yeah that <laughs> They lost a lot of players. They lost a couple of big players as well, didn't well, they? Well, they lost. Luton? They lost both their fullbacks, and yeah. Luton losing their fullbacks is like uh, Peterborough losing strikers, where the whole the whole team is built, the whole system is built around. If you're a good fullback and you play in that type of system with a narrow midfielder, you will be the star of that team just because of the way the team plays. If if you see what I mean, Craig, you look like you're but, itching to come in. But yeah, but they had they had a formation and a style of play which they've, as you say, they've carried on yeah, and carried on straight carried through on as. As Cornish Manor was saying, Sheffield United, you know, how often, how many formation changes have Sheffield United had in the last... Oh, they haven't changed it in four years. They haven't. There you go. And we've changed changed our formation five times in a week. (laughs) Yeah. Ben, Ben, you know, uh, did you know that Sheffield United um, use overlapping centre-backs? No. Do you want to to explain that? I swear you've never picked up on that before. And apparently... um, Tammy Abraham's quite good as well. Um, and Mason Mount and Reese James. Yeah, but there we go. Um, Harvey right. Barnes. Oh, Harvey Barnes. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, all right, right, great stuff, guys. Let's do this roundup. I'll just talk about the top six um, and you can give me your view on that. Um, sorry, I need to say thank you to everybody who asked questions as always. We've got a double game week here. We've got a three-man pod 
it's really hard to get all the questions in. But please, please don't stop asking them, even if it creates debate on the Twitter feed. We really, really rely on those questions. So we'd love to read them all out. And it is literally just luck of the draw as I'm swiping on my phone. But once again, please don't stop asking questions if yours doesn't get read out. We really, really appreciate it. And I know the guys who are on the pod always take a look before and often points that come up um, come from the question thread as well. So um, apologies if you didn't get your um, question read out there. Right, Wickham are brilliant and won yet again um, two 0 at Burton. Seven points clear now. Wickham. I'll, I'll do the whole. I'll do the whole top six and then we'll get your get your read on both. Obviously we're in second. Um, Peterborough closed up the gap. They beat Bolton one nil. They're within one point now. Um, the team in fourth place is now Bristol Rovers, who we know um, all about because they took three points off us. Uh, and a couple of draws. Fifth place, Blackpool drew 1-1 at Sunderland, which is the rules when you're playing Sunderland. And Rotherham, um, well, this will feel like a defeat because Southend have been so terrible, but they drew 2-2 at Southend. I think they might have even been behind in that one as well. Um, how is this top six shaking out, Craig? Um, are Wickham ever going to drop off and um can you see us being outside of an automatic place we've dropped below two points per game now as well um is is this possibly something that may happen um we'll look at the five games coming up um after this segment but um what's your thoughts on that top six as it stands yeah well you say that wickham they haven't haven't conceded a goal have they in the last six matches I was listening to them on the EFL last night they are talking about well-drilled teams and teams knowing style and formation that they play well there you are you know they're just I was talking talking yesterday at at the match and people were saying well you know the size of squads they haven't got a very big squad they're going to pick up injuries eventually and you think they drop away well are they Necessarily, I don't know. It just yeah, seems to have... always happen, does it? No, that's right. I, they seem to have found a formula, and my God, they're making the most of it at the moment, aren't they? Um, Peterborough are a funny old team, a bit hit and miss, aren't they? And hot and cold, and other um, so some such phrases. Um, Tony scored again yesterday, didn't he? And stopped one of East's shots from going in. But you know, we we're saying about chopping and changing our strikers, and we played Keane up front by himself at Coventry, and then we played all three yesterday. You pretty much know who's going to be playing up front for Peterborough each each week, don't you? Um, Mikey, um, any any other thoughts on on that top six and how it's starting to play out? Uh, well, I think we were all st- we're all still expecting Sunderland and Portsmouth to find their way into it, but perhaps yeah, having having better players than the other teams isn't the be all and end all, and that. Who knew having a, a strong tactical plan <laughs> and a strong tactical plan B could actually be the key to getting promotion, Ben? So perhaps you were right all along. Oh, oh no, no, don't don't say that on the pod ever. Again, <laughs> I agree. But anyway, I heard Paul Merson, um, who does sometimes say smart stuff, say um, when you win a title or get promoted or whatever, he, he said, and I know he sometimes says, he said you play well about 10 times. You know, where you really click and you really look good. He said the rest of the time, it's the muscle memory and the practice. And you just get by and you just win and you get mm-hmm. difficult games and, and you, you know, you just win. And, um, yeah, Wickham, Wickham might not go away, mightn't they? And um, that could really be, they could deal us a hell of a blow on um, uh, New Year's Day. Let's just um, say 
Ipswich and Bristol Rovers both do still have a game in hand, but come on, the fixture list hasn't really been um, our our calling card this season. Uh, let's have an old school extrapolation. Ipswich second with 36 points from 19 games. That's 1.89 points per game. Uh, that rolls you out 83.36. Remember, we're playing 44 games this season, not 46. So the Holy Grail is set at 88, although we've said many, many times that the um, you could get an artificial rise in a league where, say, five or six teams are way better than all of the bottom eight and all all drag each other up to a, a sort of high total. Um, I'm just trying to scan back the first few games. We went win, draw, draw, didn't we? Um, there wasn't a defeat yes, in there, was Sund- there? Sunderland, Peterborough. So yeah. that must have been the last time it was under two points per game. It must have been two points per game since after the Peterborough game. I, I can't remember the exact the exact fixtures, but yeah, it would have been eight from eight from four after the yeah. Wimbledon game, I think. Yeah, um, it was it was pretty much two and a half points per game after Fleetwood. My God, mm. yeah, yeah, and that's that's the one, isn't it? The yeah, the Fleetwood. Um, so coming up. Have a little listen to this. So, December 21st, Pompey away. Uh, Boxing Day, the Thursday, Gillingham at home. That's the one home game out of these five. Lincoln away on the Sunday, the 29th. The big one against Wickham away on January the 1st. And I'll I'll plonk the Exeter one in there because it's just all going to be so close together. Um, on the 4th of January... Mikey, that's a lot of football against um, Pompey, who you'd expect to be good. Lincoln, who have always, you know, kind of um, had a bit of a thing over us, haven't they? And um, Wickham, obviously, the the big team at the top. So we'll probably win all those and lose to Gillingham. Now I've said uh, now I've said that, but um, <laughs> this looks this looks quite hard, doesn't it? Especially it with, does with, with a team yeah. that, as as you say, um, not too critically, is doesn't know uh, a formation or um, it doesn't really know anything other than the fact that they've got better players than most of the other teams. Um, how, how is this going to play out? God, I, I don't know, but we're going to have to surely win one of our big games. So you'd say Portsmouth away is a big game. Wickham away is a big game as well. And we haven't won any of these like big games that we build them up to be. We We seem to either draw them or or lose them against our rivals near the top. I know Portsmouth aren't, aren't in the top six, but Portsmouth away is about as tough as it gets in League One. Um, we don't need to be losing away at Wickham, do we? You know, as things stand at the moment, you lose to Wickham, mm. we're 10, point, 10 points behind them. Yeah, I'm more confident about going there and getting something than, than Portsmouth as it stands. We've got to beat Gillingham, surely no excuses. But, that, but then it's uh, old... Fatty Evans, isn't it? And he's gonna he's gonna be well up for it on Boxing Day as well. He's gonna be well fed. Um, yeah, he's. I don't, don't. Not that that has anything to do with it. He'll but, have had loads of sleep but, as well. Yeah. <laughs> God, imagine what his house smells like. I was just um, thinking just, of what what noise he makes as he nods off on the sofa at, uh, after his third glass of wine at ten thirty a.m. on Christmas Day. walrus noise how much how much detritus he has on his on his Danny's chest after his Christmas lunch 
<laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Craig, yeah. it, uh, a hard run of games, particularly those three away games, yes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to know so much. But the thing is, a lot of teams are playing each other as well in and around that period. Teams in the top six, there's a lot of them are playing each other. So I think once we've left Wickham on New Year's Day, we're going to know a hell of a lot more about where everyone is in, in that top six. And I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be even more condensed um, than it than it currently is. Mm, Do you think if, if we lost all of them, Lambert's in danger? God. All five of those games. Um, Not, uh, ignore the ignore the fifth one. It would so depend. It would depend how they lost them and and what he said um, yeah. during the defeats. Because there does seem a little slight sense. Not me wanting to hype this up. That he's. He's ready to go when he gets some not not ready to go as in leave, but ready to go and fight the good fight if he if he gets stick that he deems detrimental to the team um, or unfair to him. So, God, yeah, that's a doomsday scenario, isn't it? Needs to put a bit, little bit more money behind the bar in the in the fan zone. Stop it! That's <laughs> naughty. That's really we naughty. need a we we need at least two wins out of these four, I think. Yeah, well, the, and to get back to the. And- yeah, to get back to the two points per game. Um, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, guys, absolutely brilliant. And Craig, uh, pleasure. Um, welcome on board. I know your feedback you've got was good. New um, new voice and face on the pod and pleasure to um, broadcast with you, sir. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at fims75. So if you don't like Craig, uh, tweet him and tell him. Um, I'm sure you, I'm sure you will. Don't involve either me or Mikey in any of these uh, any of these things. But uh, great stuff, Craig. Um, Mikey, where can people find you, and what what ways are you trying to get anti Norwich content into the Premier League um, pantheon at the moment? You don't do that, do you? No, I don't know why I asked that. Uh, well, no, I. I mean, yeah, I do, um, and I and and if I can't do that, then I try and shoehorn archive Ipswich goals into features that have no real relevance to it. So, um, but um, yeah, so this I. This is supposed I start... to be about VAR. Why have you got Marcus Stewart's gloves as a feature, hey? <laughs> um, yeah, but what I will say is, um, everybody that has Instagram, can you oh, uh, yes. follow Blue Monday Pod Team on Instagram, Rich? Rich has set up an Instagram account for us. Um, I think we're all going to contribute pictures to it over the course of the season. And then when we're all together, perhaps we'll do uh, a really banterful uh, Instagram story or two as well, which would be good fun for everyone. Um, And yeah, and I'm at Mikey underscore Smith 13 at Twitter. Um, If, yeah, if you have any questions that you need answered. Particularly about um, beard grooming, but we we always get in trouble for talking too much about about beard. So I'll say no more. Um, you can follow me if you want to at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter. But if you're not going to do that, why not follow at Blue Monday ITFC? Which I would consider if you've got into uh, over 70 minutes into this podcast, you probably already have. Um, what I will say is that um, I'm up to my neck in work and we will figure out what we're going to do. Um, this is normally a last minute thing with regards to all of these Christmas games. Um, we might go on a different sort of pod schedule and try and just do a post game for each of them. But um, we'll have a chat um, and no doubt Richard will come up with something brilliant and I'll be absolutely no help whatsoever. Um, but we'll figure it out and we will get you all the games covered um over Christmas as we have done now in our fifth season for um 
four years, etc., etc. Right, thank you um, very, very much for listening. Um, goodbye from me. Say goodbye, Craig. Goodbye. And Mikey has a warning for all of you. In these times of political unrest, be careful what you wish for. That probably caught me out the extra thing. <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.